Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 132. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, good to be back. Uh, what a interesting game to talk about, uh, the Dreamtime Clash. The ups and the downs. <laughs> the ups and the downs. Uh, look, a bit to cover with this game. Uh, no, no doubt. Uh, we all wanted to win. We all wanted to break the the long-standing drought of of losing since two thousand fourteen. Um, what is it like nine or something or ten or something in a row? Eight on, yeah, I think it's maybe eight in a row. Yeah, that's now, great. Now, yeah. now nine. Um, so look, a, a, a lot to think about. It's funny when I did for the Patreon show the initial reaction. I was probably a little bit more gutted, uh, which is an initial reaction. So Scotty that's was a little fired up. I can tell you. I really struggled uh, probably with that last 12 minutes of them kicking seven goals. And I was like, oh, no, like, and we didn't deserve that. And I was a bit gutted that that scoreline, you know, took place. But, look, the more I thought about it, the more I hear uh, truck talk about it, which I'll play very soon, uh, it, it, there was a lot of perspective uh, in place. And, and uh, you know, when I watched the game again and seeing McGrath go down, I think, in the second quarter and obviously couldn't, um, play the rest of the game, and Zaka goes down in the third quarter, couldn't play the rest of the game. I think Waller got a corky maybe in in the second quarter, or it was early in the game. Which um, made him very ineffectual. Which, yeah, I mean, he could hardly run at some stages. Uh, it was, there was a sense of just not much luck going our way. And I guess my uh, my thought then was, with all that happening in the second and third quarter and now our obviously rotations being heavily affected, uh, we were well down in the second quarter. And, and to actually play that uh, frenetic, that pressure kind of football and to end up being in front with a half a quarter to go, um, yeah, we probably burnt all our tickets trying to do it, but I give them all the credit for, t- for having a go and, and taking the game on. A um, bit of bad luck with injuries, and obviously we've heard with the PCL with McGrath being eight to twelve weeks. So it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 a mixed bag this game. But look, uh, uh, as it's a halfway point, I'm more than happy with how this football club is going and and how they're approaching every game. Um, I'm not going to put them not going to put in the boots at all. So, uh, I mean, I, I thought I can play a little. Um, a moment from track. So uh, I just thought I'd just do a few little sound bites today. Um, working on the sound pad today. Make, nothing like the horse's mouth. I like it. So look, this is this was just truck just uh, commenting uh, after the game. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think uh, yeah the scoreboard in the end completely reflected the game. Um, you know, I, th- I thought for the game Richmond they were the better team, and yeah, we got a good look at their efficiency and their effectiveness from turnover in particular. You know, they they. You know, any time we made a mistake, um, or they forced a mistake, they were able to, you know, punish us on the scoreboard. So that's the level that, you know, we need to get better traction with the, with our attack. And um, I thought we created a lot of opportunities. We, we're just not good enough at the moment to be able to finish them off. And as I said, the Richmond are um, a quality team at punishing not punishing the turnovers, and they and they did that tonight. So, but there's enough enough belief there, you know. Uh, I thought, um, yeah, the guys, you know, just talking to them briefly at the end of the game, they certainly understand that, um, 
their best foot is better uh, is good enough. It's just we're not, you know, we, we didn't do it for long enough tonight, um, and that's going to be an area we need to keep keep working away at. So look, I thought that was uh, a good comment. Look, just not long after that, he did kind of mention that. Um, really, they just ran out of gas in that last fifteen minutes. Um, and, and and I know, sorry, Grant, I'm going on a way too long introduction here, but uh, <laughs> uh, but look, I just wanted to play one more clip because I I thought even Darcy Parish being interviewed after the game, I was wondering like how legit you know the tiredness kind of thing was, and and I thought not you know if Chuck mentions it, I, I kind of think like he's being sincere there, uh, and I I just found this little grab. Uh, so he was asked, Darcy Parrish, just after the game about what Hawthorne would be like in a couple of weeks. But here's just his grab. Zach Merritt. He's- this not the grab. Oh, that's a grab that's for later. Now this will be the grab. We'll go from there. We'll talk about Zach Merritt and Parrish later. Professional. <laughs> that's in segment two. Uh, but, yes, have a, have a listen to uh, – Darcy Parish. Yeah, um, I think we'll need to freshen up, that's for sure. Um, the boys are pretty wounded and um, we've had a, a great and a, a massive block, I think, and we've given it all and um, we'll need a, a break just physically and mentally, I think, for the body and um, just regroup and, yeah, get back to work and um, follow up against the Hawks in a couple of weeks' time. But, um, yeah, a lot of good signs ahead and, yeah, we'll just keep working towards it. So that, you know, you with the coach saying, and, and you can hear it in Darcy's voice, that this team is a little bit on the buggered side, to be blunt, uh, and and mate, I, I I agree. I if you if you get the coach saying it, and the boys are pretty tired, and we just ran out of steam, which is essentially what he said, um, and then you get Darcy admitting it on national television. Clearly, the boys are a bit buggered, and and that's that's perfectly understandable, man. The whole anybody that's been around footy for any period of time knows that. The kids are full of pith and vinegar and all up and about and yeah, young kids and they recover faster than the older boys and all that sort of stuff. But after a period of time, say around half a season, the 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 young bodies um, they can't go that full AFL season. They they need a rest. They need to get the testosterone pumping again, um, and they can come back in the second half and do that. So I think. I mean, you reckon Darcy's is tired? He's got eight hundred and sixty-eight thousand possessions. Um, I reckon he's a bit buggered. But Nick Nick Cox and, and especially Perk or even Perkins and and those guys. Nick Cox is the fittest man on the planet. Um, but that was a phone call. If you just heard that, my apologies. We're doing well with our sounds. We are. Someone just <laughs> rang me. Um, so yeah, Nick Nick Cox is the fittest man on the planet. So he, even he still deserves a rest because. There's no fitness that um, that can recover you from knocks. Like yeah. you can't just get a, a bang to a knee or a hip or a, a constant getting hammered um, and then just be okay to come up next week. So the buy really come around at the at the right time. And I reckon with with Coxie being the sub and having to come on a while back and continually playing Perks and continually playing and Coxie and Parrish Jones, and all those guys. Jones, yeah. I think I think the coach and the club would have said to the boys, all right, boys, round whatever we're on now, 11, what are we on now? That was round 12. Round 12. Round 12, you get a break. Yeah, I need you to play through. It's going to be tough. We've got West Coast and then we've got the Tigers. But at the end of it, you can bugger off to I see um, Zach's in Byron Bay with Langers and stuff like that. 
you can head up there, grab 40 winks and, uh, and come back refreshed for the second half. Yeah. And look, it's not, and it's not just that they're tired from physical stuff. I mean, they're cause their whole dynamic and game plan has changed where, I mean, I reckon we've probably, I don't know the official stats, but it feels like just on the surface, our pressure acts have gone from like 15th to sixth you know, 15th to first in the AFL. I mean, our tackling is like top two in the AFL. Like where yep. we're our running and everything capacity has been so good this this first 12 rounds. So uh, we've just jumped so high in how we do pressure. Uh, and there's no doubt that's going to catch up with itself. So in, in all seriousness, the Richmond gain, I'm more than, you know, without, despite really hating losing to them, uh, as an overall twelve rounds, I'm more than fine with how this team is going by far. Everybody, everybody just should be very, very happy. Um, I mean, we, we've we've brought in three kids. Like Reedy only played one, um, and then got the pox. Um, but it's we've introduced three kids who clearly are going to be good. Um, Darcy Parrish has become possessed uh, by the ghost of every possession in the world. Um, <laughs> And we've got Zach, who's back to being an A grader. We've got Hooksy and Waller, who are on the top 10 of the goal-kicking list, which is amazing. We're sitting at the second-best goal-kicking percentage in the AFL, which I don't reckon I've been around a couple of days in my life. I don't reckon I've ever seen that. (laughs) So we've we've had a complete turnover of our coaching staff, including the head coach, a new president. We've got a new game plan, and we're – we're doing exceptionally well. We've run three in a row. We just lost to Richmond and I'm forgetting the the seven goals in 10 minutes because mate, if I was truck, I'd have been walking back into that change room with my little, my index finger and my thumb, very, very close to each other going, boys, boys, this far, mate, you were this close yeah. to getting the tigs. You don't the get those. Yeah. You don't get those injuries and you're running across the ground. They they were struggling they, against oof, mate. They were real close. Richmond they they couldn't stop it. That was the thing. Like they couldn't stop the run when we were up and about. So everybody just take a deep breath with the bombers because we have totally exceeded our expectations for this year, and we've got a great second half of the year to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. So look, let's go to a break. We're going to run through some names after the break. I'm just going to talk about uh, Zach Merritt. Uh, Darcy Parish, kind of where their contracts are at. Uh, I found Cal Toomey had an interesting point. So we'll discuss that after break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, um, Scott, do you want to start on the on the contract situation with Zach? Yeah, look, I, I heard an interesting uh, little grab by um, Cal Toomey tonight. So, uh, he look, he just talked about, they asked him basically, you know, who would you pay, you know, now that Parrish is where he is, you know, what's the priority? Who would you pay what? Uh, Parrish and Merritt now, you know. Um, and I look, I, I found his... I uh, found his kind of response interesting and then also just him talking about Parrish in general. Uh, and, you know, it's 
It's going to be a little bit controversial and something I tweeted, which I got a bit of kickback as well. So, but we'll talk about it and we'll openly talk about it. Um, Bit of controversy on the show. I like it. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what he says. Here's here's Cal. Zach Merritt is pushing for, he'd have to be pushing for a a contract upwards of $900,000 because he's got more runs on the board and he's won two best and fairest. He's an All-Australian. Long-term deal you'd expect would be the go there and, I do think that'll happen. Parrish, I'd say, would be a two-year job, most likely through to his own free agency. Yeah. Why would he go any longer? The way he's going at the moment. Well, does he does he cash in now? Like he, he, the trajectory suggests he's going to go higher. I think the way he's played and the determination within himself that you've seen over the past eight weeks suggests that he's going to back himself to be an even better player. Yeah. With more opportunities, so you'd have to think that his contract would be seven hundred mark at this point. Um, it's been some sort of season, though. I know we joke about me leading the cheerleading, but third in the AFL for disposal, second in total clearances and centre clearances, third in the AFL Coaches Association votes behind Clayton Oliver and Marcus Bondapelli. He's simultaneously proving himself to be an elite player of the future whilst embarrassing so many at Essendon that it took Dylan Scheel and Jai Caldwell to get injured for him to get a prominent spot in that midfield. It just is extraordinary, I think, that when you look at his progression as a player from year one when he was playing nearly, you know, really good full-time midfield uh, stints to have been pushed out in the in-between seasons. This could have been happening several years ago. And that's not just me from someone who's watched a lot of him and spoken a lot about him. It just it makes you shake your head that this wasn't happening several years ago. Now, personally, me, I could not agree with that anymore i'm not i'm wondering why you would get any put so you you tweeted out that you were in agreements with uh i so i tweeted a cheeky comment and uh, you know some you know a couple of said it was a bit of a cheap shot and and maybe it was but i i didn't have the spirit of it at the time but so i you know there was a clip of john worsfold watching on and then actually the uh, you know parish gets a, a clearance right there and then as they're showing john worsfold on the tv and i maybe cheekily tweeted that you know, it must be a little bit embarrassing uh, him watching on and seeing Parrish win the medal and having the all-time club record disposals for a 150-year-old club as an inside mid. And, you know, and unfortunately, I do feel that way. I do feel that... Scott, whomever, whomever pushed back on that statement genuinely, I don't know, has has shares in John Worsfold Inc. Because... Mate, there couldn't have been. You don't. You don't even have to say it. The fact that he's got eighteen hundred possessions in two games, and he's just broken a hundred. No, not a hundred and fifty year old record, but he's just broken a record for the most possessions in Essendon history for a single game, and he's done this now three weeks in a row. Not like get massive amounts of possessions. He's averaging thirty seven possessions in the last seven weeks. Seven that weeks. Scott is insanity. Right, like that's madness. That I don't know the 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 real big possession getters of the AFL, the the like the Bonts and those guys and the McCrays from the Dogs. And yes, I said it. I'm I'm rating McCray now. Um, the the guys that really used to get bulk loads of the ball, they never averaged 37. Man, if you pull 30 possessions and average 30 possessions you're having a real good like few games in a row. But to get 37 and two games over 40 inside of a five-game block, you, you're gone 
You've oh, gone yeah. mad. I swear. I hope he hasn't sold his soul to the devil for like every possession in the AFL because Darcy, mate, I hope you do give John Worsfold a wink because he completely wasted you. That is absolutely well, obvious now. And, you know, look, the reason I got frustrated, there's two parts of this. And and I know some people had a dig that said, well, you know, in fairness, it took Truck, Shield and Colwell to get down uh, injured. Uh, for him to move Pash, I totally get that, and I agree with that. You know, yeah. he, he should have been starting in the midfield. Uh, I will say quickly that you know Truck at least put him in and has kept him in for ten weeks in a row, and I don't think that's happened previously. We've seen Mitch Hibbard and Snelling in in Parish's role without you know in Parish in a forward line uh, when we've had injuries. So you know, I don't think John does that personally because history no. tells me he doesn't. Um, but Look, just on on Worsfold, it's just he Worsfold's obviously for over the years we've talked about centre bounce clearances, we've talked about contested footy, how we've struggled with it. We need a big bodied mid, you know, and obviously we looked at Dunkley and all that. What does it say that Darcy Parish is equal first in the AFL for centre bounce clearances? That's that is a massive stat. That's a real big. I stat. mean, that's a really. I mean. Essendon has been craving the guy who's doing it right now. I mean, it's it's Tom Liberatore and Darcy Parrish on 52 centre-bounds clearances for the year. The next guy is, is Cripps on 38. Yeah. So they're like the two massive standouts of the best in the AFL at when the ball's bounced in the middle and getting the ball out. Now, and Parrish is now just consistently getting 10 or 11 clearances overall per game. Uh, and it is sheer will. It is sheer will and effort that is getting him there. Oh, it's he, I've never yeah. seen him look this fit in all my life. He's just running out games from start to finish. In the 40, like he had what, 37 touches or something like that going into the last quarter against um, Richmond or maybe 38 or 39 or something like that. And he had to get like five more possessions or six more possessions in the last quarter to get the record. And he was, man, if they'd have played 10 more minutes, he would have got 50. It's not like he fell over the line for the record with some backwards handball to somebody. He was getting clearances in the last quarter. He was kicking. He was running like a mad thing in the last quarter. I, I'm not quite sure what Darcy is on. Um, well, hang on a minute. Let me rephrase that. That was poor. <laughs> that's nothing. Um, that's that's whoa, Nelly. Anyway, um, I'm not sure what's happened to Darcy, mate. But he should. I reckon he he's quite within his rights to look at Truck and look at John Worsfold and just sit there and stare at him and go, I told you. Did I tell you? Yeah. I told you. And it, and it's not like some midfielders. I mean, McRae can do this. It's not like some midfielders who get 20 possessions off halfback from handballs and just – Yeah. Uh, and, uh, he's fifth in the AFL in score involvements. So he's – I know. It's he, nuts. He, he's actually affecting how we're scoring as well as a midfielder. Which is a Scotty KPI, isn't it? Yes. It's – I think, you know, score involvement is a, is a really good KPI for me, you know. You know so uh, he's, his improvement is so insane to me. Uh, I mean, I, I – I, and – that's why I'm pretty humble, right? Like I've talked about Parrish at the, after round two. I remember talking like, you know, I'm really frustrated. He's not kicking well. You know, he, he's at half forward. Where are we at? You know, is he going to be traded at the year? What? You know, that's how I was talking because I got so frustrated and and I didn't know what we we're going to do with him. And to see now, ten weeks later, having 
a conversation in the Herald Sun and the Age is Stasi Parish now a top ten or top twenty player in the AFL in the That's ten amazing. week period. It's that like amazing. I've never. I, I was trying to think to myself, and, and you know, fans write in, you know, tweet me or or send on Facebook. Who historically in one season has had that bigger improvement? I couldn't. I couldn't sort of think I mean, of. It's I've the been top, in the like system. Tom, yeah, Tom Mitchell's Brownlow year. Yeah, like Tom Mitchell out of nowhere. He, he's it out of nowhere. Just got eighty-eight bazillion uh, possessions and won himself a Brownlow. Now. I'll tell you what, Darcy's and, and Darcy's year is looking pretty much exactly the same. Just out of but Darcy uses it better and is more involved in the goals and stuff than than uh, he ever was. So no, I, I I agree with you, mate. I'm I'm flabbergasted. I, I can't believe the kind of season this kid's having. And he was pick five, and we and again we should have seen it because during the saga year, he played, man. He played in the average 23 possessions and he was he was doing okay. Then for some reason, we just ignored him. We ignored him as a genuine a genuine midfield talent and put him on a forward flank for some reason, man. Yeah. And the, the like we've been screaming about that on this podcast for near on three years. And everybody saw it. It took and you know, truck the same sort of deal. I just think. Sometimes you look at Shield and you look at Caldwell and they're, they're gun players, man. And I don't know whether or not they thought Darcy had it in him. But, but geez, I'd, I'd love to be walking around with a chest the size of Darcy's at the moment because he should be walking in and everybody should be getting out of his way because he's done everything he could. It's Look at the. It's an interesting whole subject, right? Even with the, you know, Shield and Caldwell going down and what we've now seen of Parrish and... Um, it's been a year, and I, you know, you may disagree with this, but it's been a year for me where Essendon has oddly stumbled across the perfect strategy. So you remember the preseason, right? Essendon were desperately trying to keep Saad, desperately trying to yeah. keep Danaher, offering them more money um, uh, to, uh, you know. Obviously, Fantasia, they didn't want McKenna to go, and I don't think – I still don't, didn't want McKenna to go, but but that's what was happening, right? They really wanted a Danaher and Saad. They said, no, screw you. We're leaving, basically. Yep. We're getting better opportunities. So that just fell down, and it was like a dark day. And um, and then we won a Dunkley, right? And, and fair enough, but then, you know, they Bulldogs want two top ten picks, and we just go, no – and so we don't use our low picks on them. And so everything that's happened is like stumbled across. Like, it's not like the Essendon said, we're going to do this and this and this, and it's all watched beautifully. It's actually, we've actually, our failures of re-signing those players, of getting Dunkley, of, you know, of a parish, I mean, Shield and Colwell going down. We've suddenly got this odd scenario where we've picked up three amazing young 10 uh, under 10 pick talents uh, that's totally revived the whole club. Uh, we've got Parrish now in probably in the top three midfielders in the comp just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a culture that's totally revived itself. And and it's just, it's been a strange year of how we approach the off season in some ways. Uh, uh, and then what's, what we thought were not great moments has turned into the total opposite. And it's, it's whether I don't care how it's happened, but 
but it's it's fallen into place <laughs> and it's and like it's it's now just full steam ahead mate i reckon truck and um the big red fire engine in dodoro would have a little bit to say about falling into things right now i agree that shield and, and caldwell going down has just opened it up for darcy parish to be part of that first midfield with zach you are zach merritt's the first pay, player picked at the essendon footy club um Darcy Parrish is the number two picked player now, right? And he's he will be there moving forward forevermore, right? Because I swear, even if he goes back from 37 to 30 touches a game average, he's going to have an all-Australian all career. Like, he's going to have yeah, yeah. an incredible yeah. career at 30. But You're I, still going like to select think, the right players. I get that. Bingo. And I'd like to think that we, we went after Dunkley because, look, a big thumping, great big unit to have on the list would be a good thing, right? He's He can't kick and do much with it, but he sure is a big unit and can get his hands on the ball. But then the dogs come up and said, yeah, fine, you can have him if you give us two, your first two first-round picks. Now, we, I, I want to give the, the credit to Dodoro to go, no, see, he's not worth that, right? He's not worth those two picks. So then the fact that Cox is now the number one draft pick out of that um, out of that draft, in my opinion. Um, look, Adrian would go, yes, mate, damn right he is. That's why I picked him at, at eight, right? But the we've fallen in that how good Nick Cox has been, right? I you couldn't you couldn't pick Scott yeah, Gumbleton yeah. and and have him be so ineffectual for the club, and then pick Nick Cox at, at pick eight and see him do some of the freakiest stuff I've ever seen and have the endurance. Um, He's like a, a large fettuccine, the boy, and he's the endurance that he's got and the ability to ride bumps is incredible. But the club needs to be given some uh, and truck. And we did it, I think, on the last podcast. We've got to let you've got to give some credit to truck to be able to say oh. he has said some things. He brought in the best talent he could find. He said, This is what we're going to do. And I swear, man, it happens very rarely in life and or business. When you say you're going to do something and then you damn well go and do it. Yeah. So I, I've yeah. got a, I got a lot of credit for the club, but also too, I agree with the, the, the planets have aligned for yeah, yeah. us is that, what's happened. I think, I think it just, I'm probably more talking pre November, the, I guess the strategy, no, probably just pre December, the strategy was forced upon us to go after young kids. Yeah. Then, yeah. then what we did though was nail it. Uh, and yes, that's where, Dodoro, I mean, Dodoro is, is 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 having a you know a really impressive moment here because of Nick Hind and Peter Wright and you know and I think you know Coldwell hopefully gets fit but I genuinely believe he's a really good player if we get him fit and he's nailed his early picks so no doubt the club has actually nailed once we were forced into that strategy it's just it was just yeah. a funny being the forcing part I thought it was just a an aligned moment where where it's just. Yeah, we, we didn't set out to do that, but and now that we it. did, we nailed it. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll take it. We we it's sometimes the sun, like I've said a couple of times, the sun even shines on a dog's bum sometimes, and just <laughs> finally did on us. It finally did on <laughs> us, man. Like it, it's taken, it's taken the bloody saga Crapola and and losing another Danaher and and because I Scotty and I talk offline and I I, I mean Danaher leaving was his decision, right? We couldn't have kept that bloke at the club for love nor money. We tried, we'd said, give it one more year. We thought the boys mm -hmm. would get around him and he'd be happy to stay and blah, blah, blah. But nothing was going to stop him from leaving because he wanted to go. And but Sadie, yeah. There's a massive reason for that. And it's because we wasted that kid. 
we wasted that talent on that kid. We didn't have the coaching and the game plan that was going to be able to hit a six foot five leading forward on the on the on the lead. Right now, having said that, Grant, he's not exactly um, lot, turning yeah. into Buddy Franklin in <laughs> Brisbane. Um, but I reckon that just comes down to. Well, his, I think they've oddly enough their ball usage hasn't, hasn't been that great either. So oddly enough, so okay. Uh, so, but, so there you go. But he's and, been a bit lazy on occasions. I'm just being honest. You know, I'm yeah. just, and now I'm talking as an AFL fan. I I'm not worried about that's past past history. But just I thought he was actually having some lazy moments last weekend. I was like, you oh, did say so that. I be- must I must have a watch because he's the yeah he's I, I I wonder how he would do if he was up and about in our current team. Like I wonder I wonder if he would be hit getting hit more lace out and stuff. But it is ancient history. Yeah, and I agree on, with hey. you, mate. The planets have aligned, and this little bomber fan is going to take it and run, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring on next year's draft with some more kids. Um, bring back Mick Hurley. Bring back Zach Reed. The whole nine yards, man. We 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 need to. Everybody needs to take a deep breath. We have overachieved in this year, and I'm loving every second of it. But the kid, they're going to get tired. Yeah, and you can't underplay with Parish, right? Yeah, I feel somewhat sorry for for Merritt because he's getting his 32, 33s every week. They're and that's just, three votes, man. That's three yeah, votes. Yeah. That's, B, that's BOG he's having every a, round. He's having an incredibly good, consistent year where he's leading the guys. His efforts, are, his pressure acts are right up there. I think his ball use has been much better than, than previous years this year. Yep. Uh, I reckon everybody's has, man. I reckon because we're taking yeah, time well. to yeah, – yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the first kick of Andy McGrath's this week versus West Coast. I don't know if, it, if you ever watch it. The first kick Andy McGrath got was the thing that I've been saying for ages and ages and ages is Andy gets it and then blindly crosses it across his body in the direction of our goals. I, I My heart sunk when I saw that in the first kick from Andy, but that's the kind of thing that we're not doing as a general rule now. We're not just getting the ball and kicking it blindly into nowhere. We did it a few times v Richmond because they're damn good and they make Pressure you do that. Pressure makes you do it, yeah, yeah. Pressure makes you do it. But the amount of times Zach's done these little – who did he kick it to? Was it Waterman or in the forward line? He was he was sort of high half forward on one side and he kicks it over Guelphie's head or somebody's over the defender and then so that Guelphie can run onto it or whomever the player was to run onto it. And we got a goal out of that. So Zach's little kicks now are very targeted to try and find that forward, um, uh, that forward basically. Yeah. um, Look, we've got to talk about the rising star nomination, which is tonight, which is Nick Cox. Finally happened. Finally happened. 23 possessions, one goal, one goal, one. Uh, It's about damn time. (laughs) He probably instantly becomes now the favourite or equal favourite. How does that work, Scotty? Can you explain how this works to me? And that I know everybody was saying that Nick Cox is probably going to win um, uh, Rising Star and he's not been nominated up to that point, right? Mm -hmm. But is it literally the amount of nominations you get in a season? No, you can only be nominated once. It's just you just have to be nominated to be in the running and then there's like a panel that just vote on all the the players that are nominated. Um, okay, so who, you could be nominated in the last round of the AFL and still and win, win the third Rising Star. Yeah, yeah. So, well, um, I mean, the the engraver might as well get to practice now because <laughs> if his whole season is being taken into account for the Nab Rising Star, 
he's the number one draft pick at the moment. And not even Jamari Eugle Hagen, if he comes in now, if he kicks 58 goals a game for the rest of the season, he's not going to win the Rising Star. Nick has put a total game on the park every week. Yeah. Like, sure, you can and have just doing special things. Flubble. Yeah, yeah. And he's just doing special things. Yeah, Fopple uh, Fopple from um from Adelaide is kicking a, a couple <laughs> of goals. Um and Full old mate fault. from yep. uh, Sydney is kicking a couple as well. So that's great, but mate, if you if you know anything about footy, his all-round game on both feet is just that's a that's a lock. Yeah, I mean big congratulations to him and he, he has, you know, he has kicked eight eight goals from the wing this year and it's been a, a yeah. something that we've never had we've you know we've never had goal kickers from the wings uh so you know him and langford langford's kicked nine and cox has kicked eight uh and that's just been a, a unique different setup for us to have those those guys rotating and floating down to the forward line and helping with our scoring uh and Kyle, Kyle looks incredibly he's in capable. really good nick now he is yeah, in capable really inside good 50 with the marks and um and another 28 touches at 78% efficiency. Uh, he's just, he's having a massive season. And again, that, that 28 touches are big because it's, 10 it's 28. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's real big fit for, for the club. And that one goal a game, again, it's, it's, it's really big for the club. And I'm, I'm massively proud of Langers, especially with all of the crap all of the clubs put him through too. Yeah. He's, he's, he's having a really good month now and, and hitting his straps. And it's like, we really needed it because I mean, with McGrath out, we actually need him to join the Merritt Parish group. Um, yeah. And cause he is starting to, he's starting to take a lot of set of bounces with that group. Uh, and he's performing really, really well. And and like I said, ten marks. He's he's always taking nine or ten marks. He's that's really helping out our, our movement across the ground with his marking ability to 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 help us. You know, just uh, keep the possession of the ball. So, yeah. uh, look, I thought um, there's not many two names I can, I'm really thinking of, but I thought Heppel was really clean again. I think his ball use is improving every week. Um, yeah. uh, and I think he's he, picking the right the right kicks to make. Yeah, they're not like too overcomplicated. Any, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's making good decisions saying, I can do this, I yeah. can nail this kick and I'll do yep. it. So uh, I thought uh, it was interesting because I'm not used to truck making many moves during a game, right? I know. And, and then, well, no, and what then, you're not used to is you're not used to John Worsfold doing it. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, probably both. And it's because if you're talking about truck co coaching last year, um, probably a little bit both. But but suddenly Nick Hind, he he – he identifies the lack of Smith and Snelling out and that forward pressure and that forward kind of movement that just that creative kind of pressure, defensive pressure forward role. And he moves Hindy from half forward to, sorry, half back to half forward. And I thought it changed the complex of the game. Uh, yeah. I thought Hindy really got stuck into doing a lot of pressure. He troubled him a lot. He troubled him. And, uh, that's something I'm really happy to see that we're starting to just to venture into tactical stuff during the game. Uh, because I thought, you know, Richmond obviously came out absolutely on fire. Um, and I just thought how we addressed it, what we're doing wrong and what we can do right. And we've seen this now week after week that they self-correcting during the game, their, their own strategy or, or how they need to play their football to correct things. And it's working. Uh, it's something that I'm really loving about this year that we're always in games because we're, you know, even if we're 20 down, we're, we're coaching through it and the boys are responding into the messaging 
and they're realigning it. They're re- they've maybe changed a few things around. The structures might change around, and they're getting back into the game. Yeah, mate, the, the Chol Phillips thing was key for me. Um, Chol gave Andy Phillips a bath um, when the ball hit the ground in that first quarter um, and just was like a Nick Nat additional midfielder. He was running around getting like the ball had hit the deck. Chol would be kicking it outside. He, he yeah. was he was everywhere in that first quarter. And then you can see it. The, the, second, the, the, the start of the second quarter, Phillips comes out and does exactly the same thing. You can see someone's had the chat and it would have been someone like Kara. I've gone up to him and said, listen, mate, here's some footage. Check this out. You're getting beat when it hits the ground. He's very good when he hits the ground. You're a better ruckman than him, but when it hits the ground, he's very mobile. So you have to throw your weight around and see if you can get the ball when it hits the deck, if there's no clear possession from the midfield. So I, I was very happy. Like you, I was very happy to see changes made on the fly, as and when required. Yeah, now, mate. Sorry, go for it. Sorry, I've, I've got one I want to chat. I want to have a chat about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we do it after another break. Um, we come back from a break, and I want to have a chat about Jimmy Stewart. Okay. Because, yeah, I, I just want to see. I want to get your opinion on a couple of things. Okay. Well, um, you know, <laughs> question with that. I, <laughs> I threw the I threw the break um at him real quick. Uh, so no, no, oh, good. Let's get let's yeah, go right to a now, break right and- then. And we'll go back with uh, Grant's Jimmy Stewart narrative. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, um, Jimmy Stewart. Interesting character, right? <laughs> he didn't have the best game. No, he didn't have the best game, right? But I want to get your opinion on where he's at. I, I am on the positive side of things when it comes to Jimmy, right? Because he's being asked to do something he's never done in his life before. He's got to change the way he thinks and the way he acts and he's got to learn a new way of, of playing footy basically. Right. And I think he's done a reasonable job on some big forwards and they've put him on the big boys. But the one thing I'm frustrated a little bit about is his lack of discipline Mm -hmm. with the jumper grabs and the little cheapy free kicks that he gives away. So I want to get your opinion. Where do you reckon he's at as a defender in in the new role that he's been given? Look, uh, look, I don't think he's shining as much as like the Laverde has come on kind of thing, you know, um, because Laverde's just gone through the roof. But uh, he's playing in that obviously the last line of defense, right? So it is it is the most nerve wracking and hardest line of defense. I, I'll I'll be honest and say that I thought. I felt like the one in the goal square was a pretty rough free kick against him. I, I've, yeah. I've seen, you know, I, I felt like um, if Jimmy Stewart was the forward, there would be no, there would be no <laughs> Exactly issue. right. Yeah. Uh, so I, but you're right. He, he did have a tendency to grab the jumper a bit. Um, and I felt like he was a little bit nervous as the ball was coming in. I will say this, uh, and this is something as a, as a side that's not helping Jimmy Stewart. Seriously, 101 points scored from Richmond on turnovers, on our turnovers. Mm. So, you know, we've got to 
give the back line a bit of a chop out and help on on with us with our usage of the ball um, because Richmond us um, on a side note I talked to a, a friend who's a mad mad Richmond fan but really knowledgeable Richmond fan um, and he talked to me and said look that's as sharp as Richmond probably has been this year. Like he said, he said, I actually give Essendon a lot of credit. They were in front with 15 minutes to go because we came out mentally and, and physically as sharp as we've been and used the ball as well as we have. Um, so it's a bit of a conf- confidence for us. But they just were lethal on our turnovers. Their ball, oh. it was so swift, sharp, and lethal, their turnover, uh, how they used it, the turnover that our, our backs were just constantly caught out one-on-one out one on one contests all over and we couldn't get guys to, to like like Francis, to sweep across and help out and punch yeah, over. Or Ridley for that matter. Yeah, so we were always caught in one-on-ones and I don't think Stewart's there yet against the premier forwards. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he does need a bit of a chop out just at the minute. He needs support. Like he's, a, he's a big, strong unit and he's physically, he's the right size of bloke down there and he's very mobile and he... He's done some good things, but I think he's he's learning. Laverde has taken to a halfback flank like an absolute fish to water, right? He's the parish of the defenders in the area. He's the parish of the defenders. <laughs> he's gone nuts, the boy. Um, but, yeah, and, and I'm okay with that, man. If if Laverde was the same kind of uh, level as um, Jimmy Stewart, i.e., he's learning a new trade and he makes some mistakes and potentially they led to goals and stuff. I'd still be okay with it. Mm. I'm, I'm all for Jimmy playing down there, right? Because it's a, it's a, a left field thing that might just work. He's we've got forward options with Peter Wright and we've got Waller and we've got hooker to extend his career. Jimmy, did he have a spot down there? Maybe, but he's going to have a longer career in the back line. If he can take, the big monster forwards like what's his face from Port Adelaide and Dixon and those boys, if he can match them physically and our mids can stop the ball being raced through the middle, like Richmond did mm. just sometimes it was witching hat, witches hats coming back out of our forward line. Um, and if he can, if he can get given a bit of a chop out like that, I, I've got, a, I've got a lot of time for Jimmy down there. What I have a lot of time for is, is that truck um, is, is persisting with him. And I actually, you know, really back Truck's judgment on it um, yeah. because he played that role. That was yeah. his role. The last line of defense, big monster fullback. Um, and he wants to develop Stuart. And I, I think he's okay with Stuart just learning on the job during this year. We've got time. We've got and time. We've got yeah. time. If he has another preseason in Tom Shaw, Truck's going to be hands-on again and just try and get him uh, to another level for next year. And then, you know, it could be a surprise packet again. So uh, I honestly believe if Truck is backing him in and just thinks that long-term this guy is going to be fine because he's got all the attributes and I've just got to develop him more, then, you know, this is the year to do it. I, I, I'm i not in, interested in in dropping guys if, if one, he's not performing that that bad to drop. He's not getting five, six goals no, kicked against not. him. No, no. Uh, he's at, You know, he, he looks a little bit weaker than the other guys – but he looks sometimes out of position, but that's development. That's just weaker, learning the game. Weaker, less developed. Yeah, sorry, not weaker yeah, physically. Sorry, yeah. just yeah, just less developed. Um, he, he looks like he needs more development, but I'm going to back the coaching. I really am. I, I, there's no other coach that would know that than, than anyone at the club, that 
Rutten was such a good fullback that if that's what he wants and that's who he wants to develop, then, you know, and he's not, you know, he is being stubborn and not playing Ambrose there, man, because he wants him developed Big there. time, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, I mean, we, Scotty and I have gone, what are they doing with Paddy Ambrose? Like what, what he could be down there because he's a defender. He's been a defender forever. But then we, we've got to realise that. He's 30. Uh, yeah. Well, but he's 30. But the other thing too is that we, this isn't the old Essendon footy club anymore. No. The, the players can go to different positions, man. Like Laverde can go. And we've got to trust him because Parrish is our number one midfielder has done incredible things. He's moved Laverde down back and he looks as assured as a, of a defender as I've ever seen. Couple that with Ridley and Nick Hind again. You've put him down back, and he looks um, assured and um, and confident in that role. So, mate, if he if Truck thinks that Jimmy um, Stewart is a capable is going to be a capable defender, then I'll absolutely back him in. Yeah, I, that that's how I believe, uh, and it's um, but that yeah that back six obviously. You know, I mean, four. There's obviously four new guys in that back six, and 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 I think. Overall, they've done exceptionally well over the year because we are a turnover team, and that's just one thing we've got to get better at. And as part of you know, of all the things we've got to tick on, blue collar and all, you know, even our ball mm-hmm. movement in some ways to our forward line, we've done a lot of ticks this year. It's still the turnover <laughs> clanger that's and where we're doing those turnovers more uh, being the key part. Um, yeah. that's that's killing us, uh, and that oh, that that overrides everything I have worried about the defense. If that gets right, then the defense is a lot, lot better. And that that's what I was I was gonna say is that could you imagine if it didn't happen, man? How yep. good we'd be if we reduced it by 50%. Like, wow, would this is pretty impressive. Now, mate, uh last week we um I slash we slash the podcast applied the the big lighter of truth the blowtorch in the form of the Bic lighter. Um, There wasn't quite a blowtorch. It was sort of more of your jet boil kind of Bic lighter of of, uh, determination under B ham. He kicks three goals. Look out. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcasts um, blowtorch has worked again, Um, comes out with three goals and, and looked very good doing it. Yeah, he was, you know, that's exactly what we want, right? Because he's a really good kick for goal. Um, yeah. He has, you know, I actually find him uh, uh, more skillful than probably a lot of people give him credit for. He's just, he hasn't always hit targets this year, and I'm not sure why, but I actually find him quite a skillful player with yeah. his left foot. He's a really good long kick, uh, target long kick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I actually felt like in that last 15 minutes, there was a play where we handballed it out to him 35 metres out. He should have shot for goal for his fourth. And I know. He handballed it to Stringer, who was a little bit out of position. He had to crick across his body. And we were three points up then. And, um, you know, I thought he would have nailed that. I honestly believe that he would have nailed that and we would have been nine Jake, points up. But Jake, you would have called for it, though. Oh, You yes. know the package would have called for <laughs> we it. We know he called for it. Uh, we know he called for it. And the, and the hamsters, the hamsters seen the package calling for it and he's thought, I'll do the right thing here. Give it to the package. And, and isn't it odd to see then um, – I wonder if I wonder if a runner came out because then you've got package. He marks them, you know, basically right on the point post and he kicks it 35 metres back to Waterman. And and then the opposite happens. He goes, geez, um, 
package, you would have you nailed that nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times. And when I saw Waterman left- get it, I thought, oh, this is great. This is that's one of the worst kicks of an AFL football <laughs> I've ever seen from Waterman. Waterman hasn't even and Jones, the same deal. Jones hasn't even looked like missing and kicked one of the worst kicks I've ever seen in my life. Just, and it he was actually, like a, yeah. He, to me, like looked tired, Jonesy. Actually. A helicopter mung-looking arrangement. And Alec Waterman nearly kicked it <laughs> out of bounds on the full. <laughs> it was, And we were three points up. All those plays, we were three points up. And gee, yeah. we just – and you never know where adrenaline was going to get you if we actually created some separation. Because you, yeah. you never know how Richmond was going to respond if we started to get 9, 10, you know, 16 points up. Uh, obviously – Richmond went the other way after we've missed and we've probably dropped our head and then all, you know, everything's fallen out. But, uh, geez, some big plays in that last quarter where we actually could have gone further ahead, but you know, it, it is what it is, but it, you know, I'd rather us be in the game and, and causing a major headaches than, than, than being 70 points behind. <laughs> so that's uh, it, mate. Like that's, that was my overarching feeling after the game. It was damn, we got, it's 30 odd points and we don't deserve that 30 odd points. But oh, geez, we were close, man. Well, you, Rich, you, Richmond will not want to play us in the future. I'll give you the hot tip. I would say halfway through the second quarter, you could make an argument that the next forty minutes of play, when we're you know probably five goals down, we have no Caldwell, Shiel, McGrath, or Smith, and that half a half a Waller, and, and, and we come back and we get back in front without all those guys named. Uh, so yeah. I know we're going over a dead horse, but it's so it's so many positives. So, mate, big time. Uh, so look, um, yeah, it's what we'll try and do. We'll try and have a, a like a mid season wrap up next week on our main show. I'm trying yep. to get a guest in the background. I'm hoping. Okay, don't don't say nothing. Don't I'm, say nothing. I don't muck around. I'm going straight straight for one of the for the big. No, guests. no, 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 don't but, say it. Uh, but um, yeah. So uh, we'll see. I'm hoping that comes through, but no promises on this one. I'm waiting for a reply, but they're trying to see if they can do All right, it for good. us. All right, good. So we want to do a big season, sort of big half season wrap up uh, for our next main show. Uh, for the Patreons, look, uh, it might be a little bit quieter this week because obviously there's no games. So there's, there's no, no games this week. There's man. no teams. There's no initial reaction. So, you know, just... I think we all good time for everyone just to rejuvenate. Uh, um, Scotty and I are the same. We've got to uh, let the tonsils rest a little bit. Yeah, in some ways, you know, just connect with the family a bit. and, and, uh, and Family? Uh, <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> so, you know, we're just so much enjoying the, the support we get. And, you know, to our Patreons, you know, they've been enormous that how much support we get. We get Absolutely. The community is just growing insane and you know we're all messaging each other and it's been brilliant and mate can i give a shout out on the facebook page i'm just flicking through the facebook page as we write this um peter james peter james on the facebook page uh he's put if you have a look uh i posted the uh rising star nomination photo um on the facebook page um and peter james has put in one of the better little pieces of uh picture there of the unicocks I love it. He's got Coxie with the little the the multicolored tail and the unicorn spike on his head. I absolutely love that. That is going to go into the annals of the Lunchtime Catch Up podcast. Well done, Peter James. Yep, well done. I haven't seen it yet, to be honest. So I'll, I'll check it out. But um, Mate, check it out. 
Thanks, everyone. You can catch us, no doubt, uh, our shows on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, Spotify all the all the all the big names. Um, yeah. If you want to hear our Patreon stuff, all our shows, all it is is basically uh, three dollars Australian uh, a month, and you can have access to every show we've ever done, all the guests, all the things, all we're... the cool guests on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash the lunchtime catch up. So uh, yeah, and you can. You can go to our uh, Facebook page, which is up to about 2,100 already. Uh, so we've got a big community going through Lunchtime Catch-Up Facebook page, yep. on, on Instagram, uh, and on Twitter at Lunch Catch-Up. Uh, yep. So that's about it for us. Mr. Grant, have a fun week in lockdown again. Mate, <laughs> yeah, no, the lockdown's great. Um, <laughs> We're just loving it. And a bye on top of that, so you can't even look <laughs> forward to some footy on the weekend, really. But uh, look, we, we we can rejoice in the fact that Carlton lost again. So I mean, that's one thing. <laughs> it uh, couldn't it couldn't couldn't possibly have been perfect enough to have the collie wobbles um, fall over. They managed to uh, just bluff Adelaide into winning one. Um, but having Carlton losing as well is that's that does a boy's heart good. And they've formally announced a uh, external review of the whole club at the end of the year. Have they? Yes. Well, I don't know that David Teague is going to be booking any uh, long service leave <laughs> yes. uh, anytime soon. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, Carlton's, Carlton's the kind of club is, you know, 14th is not, you know, they traded that. You know, they're repeating a little bit of us three years ago, three or four years ago, can I say, where they traded oh, in thinking they were better than they were. and Absolutely. And they're getting humbled. Uh, so Zach Williams and Saad is, for what they're paying them, like 900 for Zach Williams or something like that. Don't know they're getting value for money there. No, they're, you know, they're, they're only shining lights, probably Harry Mackay and, and Walsh. And that's, a you know. So. Yeah. Even Paddy Cripps is not performing as well as he once was. No, but I think he's playing through serious injury. I think he's got okay. an actual crack in his back or something like that, I heard. Um, I'd also like to point out that we've mentioned too many Carlton players on this podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So thank you, everyone. Right. Uh, see you soon. And this is the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, signing off. Bye, guys. Bye.